Today, we're going to talk and continue on on Jesus being the master teacher. Last week, we had to take over, but the week before, Pastor Tim talked about the golden rule. How many of you guys remember that, the golden rule? But today, what we're going to do, we're going to look at a variety of things. First, the thing that we're going to do is we're going to have an overview of the Sermon on the Mount. And then what we're going to do is look into the Beatitudes. And the third and final thing that we're going to do is look into the internal and external uh, properties of purity and peace. Say purity. purity. Say peace. peace. And in this, the Sermon on the Mount is introduced by the Beatitudes. The Beatitudes basically means this, an announcement and a proclamation. The similitudes, or similitudes, excuse me, goes right underneath there, right after the Beatitudes, and it talks about a matching pair. So let me back up here. This is what Jesus is doing. He's in the middle of fulfilling the Old Testament before he goes to Calvary and begins the New Testament, okay? So he starts to talk about principles of fulfilling the Old Testament with the Beatitudes by introducing the way things should be done on the earth. And then with the similitudes, he begins to say this, but you are the light of the world, okay? He also says that you are the salt of the earth. So here he has principles, but then if you follow him, he says you're not going to become light. He says you are light. He's not saying that you're going to become salt. He says that you are salt. Because a lot of times we as Christians, sometimes we think we have to work for certain things when we already are certain things, okay? And if you're not careful, you start to question your peace and you start to question even your behavior or your purity. So today we're going to jump into that. So an overview of the Sermon on the Mount, we're going to look at the Beatitudes and look at purity and peace. Beatitudes are a proclamation. The similitudes are a matching pair of representation of what we are in Christ. The Sermon on the Mount covers the ending of chapter 4 of Matthew, chapter 5, 6, and 7. This is the biggest context of what Jesus taught. And he broke it down into bite-sized pieces. When you look at life... And it's overwhelming. I always ask this question to people. How do you eat an elephant? And they go, what? One bite at a time. So here in this Sermon on the Mount, you're going to see different portions in bite-sized pieces. It talks about law, murder, adultery, divorce, oath, retaliation, love, prayer, fasting, money, judging, compassion, and kingdom principles. That's a mouthful already. So if you're somewhere in there, go read Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, and the Lord will help you. But all of this is summarized in two statements of Jesus. In two statements, he finishes the Beatitudes, starts the similitudes, and then he brings in two statements. And it's found in Matthew 5, 17. And this is what it says. Do not think that I have come to destroy the law destroy the law of the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to what? Fulfill. And the other statement is this, Matthew chapter 5, verse 20 says, For I say to you that unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, in those things, I like the way it reads in the Message Bible. And it reads like this, Do not suppose for a minute that I have come to demolish the scriptures, either God's law or the prophets. I am not here to demolish, but to complete. 
I am going to put it all together, put it all together in a vast panorama. Now, when I read that, I thought, is that a misprint? No. He repeats it. I'm going to put it all together. I'm going to put it all together. And when I was studying, it emphasizes this. Pay attention to what I'm about to tell you. And in this panorama, I've gone to Yosemite National Park, and, and, and I come up up on a bluff, and you look over, and wow, God's beauty. You turn around, wow, there is a big waterfall. And I've taken some survival training, being in the military, and I like watching the Survivor Series, not, not, the, not the show, but the, the survival uh, TV shows. And they talk about when you're lost and you come up on a tree line, you climb the highest tree, and you look around, it says, do this. Because when you look at the vast panorama, you can't see the details. But if you do this, take it off into bite-sized pieces, your eyes can focus, your mind can focus, so you can find the details on how to get out of something. So when Jesus Christ says this, or paraphrase in the, in the Message Bible, this vast panorama, he says, I'm going to take that vast panorama and I'm going to pull it all together for you. I don't know about you, but that's pretty good news. And it's simple. So what we're going to do here is go quickly through, through, through this vast teaching, and we're going to look at the Beatitudes just fairly quickly here. This is the most widely known extensive collection of principles in, from heaven and the teachings of Jesus. The Beatitudes set the tone for the Sermon on the Mount. It emphasizes man's humility and God's righteousness. Each point portrays the ideal heart condition to effectively function as citizens of heaven. The beatitude reflects uh, Christ's character and, and are examples for others to observe. Now get that part. For others to observe. Do you know that your life is being observed by non-Christians? So it's not about bragging. It's about being real. It's not about performance. It's about sincerity. So as we go through here, the beatitudes say this. Poor, blessed are the poor in spirit refers to an awareness of spiritual bankruptcy apart from God. It dictates the humility that man should have in the presence of God. It talks about blessed those who mourn. That means those that grieve over breaking covenant with God. Remember, he's talking to a variety of people. He's talking to Jews, Gentiles. He's talking to people that have already believed in him. He's talking to a lot of different people. So here, an awareness of being away from God should bring, I missed it. I don't know about you, but have you ever felt that way? I missed it. So we move on here. In another beatitude, it says this, blessed are those that hunger and thirst after righteousness. It says, who crave God's way of doing things. They shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, those who are apt to pardon and show compassion. They also shall receive compassion. Pastor Tim, when he was ministering, he talked about the golden rule. We don't do things for others so they can treat us nice. We do things for others because it's the God way of doing things. And a byproduct of that, something good will happen to us. It's not necessarily going to come from that person you're being nice to. Right? But how many times do we focus on one person? Oh, I'm going to be compassionate to them because I, I want them to like me. Uh, that's the wrong motive. We're going to move on here. Number six, or the next beatitude is, Blessed are those that are pure at heart. Refers to the internal cleansing and renewal necessary for entering into the presence of God. Now, we have to be careful there. Because we might think that I need to cleanse myself perfect to run to God. He's not saying that. 
It's saying this, that when we receive Jesus Christ, we've been cleansed. But when we come into his presence wholeheartedly, the spirit of God will tell you, you know what? You're not right right now. No, no. Let's back up here a little bit. When you go into the presence of God, it says this. When you stand praying, believing, it says, forgive. When you raise your hands with a pure heart before the Lord, the Lord will not condemn you, but he will correct you. God, the Bible says that God corrects those that he loves. We're going to move on here. And it says, blessed is the peacemaker are those who invite, invite men to be reconciled to God, but also reconciled with others. Blessed are the peacemaker are those who invite men to be reconciled to God, but also be reconciled to others. The last one here is, is blessed are you when you are persecuted or reviled. Uh, that means to be opposed For the sake of doing things God's way. It's not saying, oh, they're persecuting me because I'm a Christian. No. They're going to persecute you because you're doing things God's way. Right? The Bible talks about that salt water and sweet water cannot mix. So we'll move on. And it says this. This is what the Beatitudes say. It tells us this. You've heard this before. That we want to be happy. We want to be happy. Stable. Fruitful, blessed, so what? To be a blessing. Come on, let's give the people in the back a hand clap. Thank you so much. So what we've seen here, we've seen, a, we've seen a small overview of the Sermon on the Mount. We look briefly into the Beatitudes, but today what I'm going to do, I'm going to focus on the internal and external properties of purity and peace. The other day I tweeted something. I tweeted this. Tweety bird, tweety bird. No, no, I'm just kidding. I tweeted this. Self-centeredness leads to confusion. But God consciousness will lead to clarity and peace. See, because when we're so caught up with ourselves, guess what? We lose our peace. And when we lose our peace, we start to say certain things. We start to do certain things. We start to judge. What, we're, what are we doing? We're losing our purity before God. Don't look at me so strange, guys. I'm trying to be real with you. You need for me to pull out the card again, you know? Come on. Now with this, in Matthew 5, 8, it says, Blessed are the pure at heart, for they shall see God. This word pure is the word katharos. Say katharos. Say it again. Katharos. It means cleansing, a purging, to be free from sin. It means to refine. You know, sometimes you take gold and they put it into a pot. And it gets heated up and heated up and heated up. And guess what it does? It melts. And you think it's pure, but the dross rises to the top. And then the jeweler removes the dross And then it's pure gold. But then you can heat it up even more and it becomes more refined because the temperature rises. Now watch. Sometimes God raises the temperature in our life. (laughs) Sometimes because we say, God, give me power to raise the dead. God will say, well then stop cussing. God will, you'll ask God, God, bless me with finances. Stop being so jealous. Because God is refining our character. 
God does not condemn, but he does correct. And refinement or purity of heart or the heat is raised in our life. We think it's the devil, but it's not. It's God. I'm going to pull out my card again. No. Watch. It originally brings the feeling to be unmixed, unadulterated, unalloyed. Its meaning gives, means to be clean and clear before God. The heart, the pure of heart, is the seat of thought and will. It is the center, the core of personality. It is the innermost being, including emotions, intellect, will, and motivation or motives. Now, here's a scripture here out of Psalms 24, verse 3 and 4. It says, Who may ascend to the hill of the Lord, or who may stand in his holy place? And it says, He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul, say soul, to an idol, say idol, nor, nor sworn uh, deceitful, deceitfully. And it says, He shall receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. Now remember Jesus said, I have come to fulfill the law. So in this context, we're still talking about the old covenant. Believe it or not, you're accepted for Jesus Christ or by Jesus Christ, whether you're acting a fool or not. You're accepted by God. He loves you. But in order to stand pure before God and to receive blessing from God, that's a different thing. Because conversion has to do with everything Jesus did. But blessing has everything to do with what we do with the scripture. Are you guys okay? This is the way God talks to me. I'm just talking to you like God talks to me. Here what I want to do is present something that may narrow your road a little bit. And you might have to give up some things. But my intent is not to harm you or to hurt you. My intent is to get you mature. Because what we want to do here at Meadowbrook Church is to help you move from where you are to where God wants you to be. And sometimes the word of God goes, oh, oh, you know, sometimes my wife calls me out on things. And on the inside, I'm going, oh, oh. You know why? Because it's true. And then I have to choose, okay. I know that she has my best interest at hand. Right, Sarah? Okay, thank you. So therefore, I value what she's trying to tell me Because I want to be pure before God. I want to be a more effective minister. I want to have the right heart toward people. And especially toward my wife. Can we get an amen? Amen. Question, what does it mean to have a pure heart? It is not limited to the external ceremonial, like raising your hands. Or the external sin. Or the external worship. It means the essence, the makeup of a person that is cleansed and being renewed. This is indicating purity with expression of sincerity, without hypocrisy, singleness of mind, singleness of vow, commitment, an undivided heart, single, single-minded in a devotion toward God, and a moral inner uprightness, but it's not a spiritual arrogance. See, because when we get motive uh, and we get momentum in the things of God, if we're not careful, we can become spiritually arrogant. Amen. I go to church. Amen. I tithe. I pray in the Spirit. Hallelujah, I signed up for serve week. Praise God Almighty. Not talking about that. We're talking about that internal thing. And it's expressed this way in 1 John chapter 3. Behold, what manner of love, Lord, listen to that. What manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called what? 
children of God. And he goes on to say, therefore the world does not know us because it did not know him. Beloved, now we are children of God and it has not been revealed or what we shall be. But we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him. Oh, glory. And it says there's, for we shall see him as he is. But, and everyone who has this hope in him, what? Purifies himself, watch, just as he is pure. So I went back and I looked up some things. Do you know that I'm never going to be as holy as God? Watch this. In myself. In myself, I cannot be pure like God. But when he sees me, he doesn't see me through my actions. He sees me through the blood of Jesus Christ. And because I look at that and I'm aware of that, I want to... Man, he loves me. I love my wife. I'm committed. I'm devoted to my wife. But when I've traveled in ministry... I've been approached by women. But because I love my wife and I love God, I'm committed. You know what? I'm unalloyed. And because I love God, I'm going to walk purely before Him. And in my own strength, I can't do it. But when I realize that I am the temple of the Holy Spirit, when I realize that this love of God has been bestowed on me, there's power in that. To keep me pure before God and man. Amen. Amen. Now, we've just looked at that. Now, for we will see God. Question, how and when will we see God? This refers to the seeing God with the eyes of faith. Also infers the future kingdom on judgment day. But the primary reference is not a present mystical vision or ecstatic experience. When I'm pure before God... And I raise my hands to lay hands on somebody. I can have confidence before God that he will show up. Why? Because I'm focused before him and I'm confident before him and I'm pure before him. So when I lay my hands on the sick, guess what? They will recover. But if you're living one way on, on Saturday and living another way on Sunday, there is forgiveness. There is grace. But that's not repentance when you go back out on Monday night. We cannot expect God to bless something He does not condone. Amen. Let that one just sit there just a little bit. There are certain things that God does not condone. I don't say it. The Bible says it. It's not my judgment. It's an observation as a pastor. But yet there's still mercy. And there's still grace based on what Jesus Christ did on Calvary, not by my actions. But when I'm confident before God, I can be confident before men. Amen. You understand where I'm coming from, folks? It doesn't have to be a struggle. We're going to move on here. And it says this. It says in, in, in Matthew 5, 9, it says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. First of all, God will call us. We will see God. The next thing is the peacemaker. Blessed are the peacemaker. Watch this. Peace is an internal harmony of thoughts and emotions. True peace is not found on earth. It's a supplement from heaven, as Pastor Tim has taught us. There's limits of, of, of happiness or supposed peace, but the longevity of peace is not natural to this earth. It comes from heaven. Watch. A peacemaker is one who has peace, works toward peace, and is also known to 
bring peace. You know, sometimes you're glad to see certain people coming. And sometimes you're not so glad to see people coming. The question is, is which one are you? I'm going to pull out my card again. Which one are you? Now watch. If you don't have peace, you can get peace. But if you don't maintain your peace, you can lose it. So how do you gain this peace and how do you maintain it? Well, you have to spend some time with the Prince of Peace. We have to have daily exposure to and intake of what? The Word of God. When you have peace and you are at peace, it doesn't matter who or what comes your way. We went to a staff retreat and there were some folks there that came and taught on Freedom Ministries, which the church will be implementing soon. And in there they said this, if you have the Spirit of God in you, you are free. But if someone comes and your freedom goes with them, you never were free in the first place. It's the same thing with peace. Now there are times that thoughts try to come my way, and sometimes I get agitated and I can feel just peace oozing out of me, but I say, uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. greater is he that lives in me than he that's in the world. I spent time with the Prince of Peace, and you know what? These thoughts that are coming... It's not, it's a lie. It's a lie. I'm free. I'm free. I'm at peace. God, I trust you. And that's how confident you can be with situations. But only when you're in the presence of God with the Prince of Peace. Only when you open up the Word and take in daily exposure and intake of the Word of God. Can you recognize it? Here's another thought here. My wife and I, we went to, uh, it was my birthday, like I told you, I'm still accepting gifts, remember? And, uh, and I put my feet in the water one morning, and it was really great. And I looked down, and I grabbed this, this shell, and it had all these little holes in it, all these little holes in it. I turned around, I looked, you know, went around walking for a little bit, and I found another one that had no holes in it. And I said, oh, man, that's pretty interesting. I think much of it, I threw them away. I walked away, and the Lord spoke to me. I didn't hear an audible voice. He said, when you're at peace and you're pure, you're going to look like the shell with no holes in it. But the more time you spend in the presence of impurity, and the more time you have a lack of peace, you're going to look like the other shell with all these holes in it. And then I said, well, what's the difference I got on the computer? It depends what the shell is made up of that will determine if it has holes in it or not. Because you can pick up some shells and they're smooth and you can see them. You pick up other things and it has all like holes in it. It depends of the makeup. Question, what are you made up of? You have to remember you're made up of Jesus Christ. You have to remember that the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of you. You have to remember that the blessings of God are available, but they're not automatic. They're not automatic. Because if I go in a garage, I'm not going to turn into a car. Just because I go to church doesn't make me a Christian. Receiving Jesus Christ makes you a Christian. Amen? Amen? It says this, when you're at peace and you are at, uh, if you have peace and you're at peace, it doesn't matter what comes your way. Watch this in Romans chapter 12. It says this, repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of what? 
all men, not just some men. And then it goes on to say this. If it is possible, sometimes it's not, as much as depend on you, live peaceably with all men. My job is to live peaceably with them. They may not be living peaceably with me. But God always makes up the difference. Watch this. Questions, question. What kind of peace does God provide? God's peace is actively promoting reconciliation in relationships with himself and in others. It ranges from making peace in times of war to resolving quarrels between husband and wife. The primary emphasis of the word peace comes from the word shalom, meaning wholeness and harmony. When a person makes, uh, when a person makes his priority to have a man's highest intended good. Now watch. A lot of times uh, we don't intend to do good, the highest intent of good. And when I read that, that convicted me. You know, I'll bless some people and I'll take them here and I'll do that. Uh, but when they start asking me for more, I go, uh, maybe not. Does that ever happen to you? It's because my mind is set on this. They're going to take something from me. But if God is my source, I should be at peace. Everyone say amen. amen. And it talks about this. It would include both freedom from trouble along with enjoyment of good. I know some people that have lots of money, but they don't enjoy it because they're up to debt here. Kids are all torn up. And I've seen some poor folks that are at peace, enjoying and grateful. Question again, which one are you and I? As we finish here, I want to read this to you out of the book of Colossians 3.15. It's pretty lengthy, but it's out of the Amplified Bible. And let the peace, the soul harmony which comes from Christ, rule, act as umpire continually in your hearts. Deciding and settling with finality all questions that arise in your minds. In that peaceful state to which as members of Christ, one body, it says you were also called to what? To what? And be thankful. What's that word there? Appreciative. Giving praise to God Always, always, giving praise to God, always. There are some things here that you and I need to have a soul harmony and that umpire. Everyone say umpire. Any of you watch the San Francisco Giants destroy the Kansas City Royals? My wife's going because she's a big, big uh, Giants fan. She's also a Niner fan. But I'm a Cowboy fan. They're six and one. Somebody shout! No, no. <laughs> now watch. Umpire. The umpire's behind the plate going, ball, strike. That was an error. Making judgment calls. When it talks about the umpire of your soul, the peace of God will let you know, you know what? That's right. That's, right. That's wrong. Amen. And if you miss it, God will say, as the umpire say, Get back in there. Why are you stepping out of the batter's box? See, because with God, you can't strike out as long as you continue moving forward. Amen. And some of you may have messed it up. Some of you in here may not be at peace. Some of you in here may not be pure. But guess what? The umpire says this. Uh, get back in the batter's box. Why are you quitting? Amen. Take another swing. I'm the one that empowered you. I'm the one that gave you the bat, the glove, the ball. The stadium belongs to me. Hey, come on. Take another swing. Amen. You're not down. If you don't give up. Because around here we're either up or we're getting up. 
For they will be called the sons of God. To be called the son of God is the recognition that God will summon. Uh, any of you ever got a summons to appear in court? I know I have. And I said, whoa, what is that? <laughs> See, but when God summons you, the creator of the ends of the earth summons you. There should be some excitement when you're pure and when you're at peace. But if you're not pure and you're not at peace, guess what? You're going to go, oh, Lord, what is he going to say now? What's the preacher going to say now? It's just an awareness and a consciousness of God trying to get you somewhere. For they will be called or summoned to be the sons of God. The phrase is translated the children of God. Or watch this. God recognizing his offspring. Sometimes I talk with parents when I counsel them. They recognize their children as offspring. But they're not proud of them for what they're doing. God doesn't want to do that with you. He recognizes you as his offspring. And he loves you. And he cares about you. It says when we are faithless, he remains faithful. He is with you. And he is for you. Continuing on here. A child... A child is like his father in character and in actions. The Greek reflects a Semitic or a Jewish tradition or style indicating that the name of a child represents the character and likeness of his father. Watch this. Here's the character and likeness in 2 Timothy. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified and useful for the master prepared for every good work. And it says, flee youthful lust, but pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace with those who call on the name of the Lord from what? Out of a pure heart. Out of a pure heart. It says, but avoid foolish and ignorant disputes, knowing that they generate, they generate a lack of peace. If you're in strife with somebody, how bad does it have to get before you say, Lord, I release them? How bad does it have to get before you say, God, I don't want to live this way anymore? How bad does it have to get for you to call on the name of the Lord out of a pure heart? Sometimes we cry in the name of the Lord out of desperation, and that's okay. But God doesn't want you to cry out of, to him out of desperation. He wants you to cry out of, to him out of a pure and honest and sincere heart. Tonight, we've looked at an overview of the Sermon on the Mount. We looked into the Beatitudes. And we focused on the internal and external property of purity and peace. Because when you are pure before God or when you're clear and honest before the Lord, God will always give you direction toward peace. And he's always speaking to you and he's always speaking to me. The question is, are we listening correctly? Or are we so cluttered emotionally that we can't even hear his voice? Because God loves his children. God wants to bless his children. And that's you and that's me. Did you receive something tonight? Thank you.